stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Happy Thursday, one more day to Friday. Give me a second here while I push my little buttons. I'm going to take care of something real quick. Real quick, I'm going to do some maintenance. Our guest is trying to log in right now. I'm going to send her the link again just in case. In my infinite wisdom, when I was asleep, I sent the wrong bloody link. So let me do this real fast for you guys. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host. There we go. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of lovely Sacramento, California, especially now that it's fall. Lovely Sacramento, California. Uh, we are 45 strong up and down the state, which means we can get to you. So uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook under California Haunts, California Haunts Radio under my name. You can find us under California Haunts on TikTok. You can find us in California Haunts on Twitter. You can find us under Kel Haunts on Twitch. You can find us under Ghosty Gal on Instagram and my, oh yes, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team on Meetup. Channels for, I keep forgetting about Meetup. Quick announcement. Uh, I do it officially now, for real. I have the information up about the Meditation Club. I finally got it up late last night. It's been one of those weeks. So, I have it split into two different clubs. Uh, there's 10 spots in each one. Uh, the early one is at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, and that's um, for people that live on the East Coast that might want to join up and do that stuff. Um, then there's one at 7.45 p.m. Pacific, which is after this show, and those run Tuesday, Thursday, and Sundays. Okay? Now, if you do live out on the West Coast and you want to attend the one for the for the East Coast crew, that's fine, too, either way, or vice versa. But uh, it's, it's a cool thing. You know, when I um, was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, I spent the first year, because they have this thing called ejection fraction, and I spent the first year eating the food I was supposed to eat, but my ejection fraction never came up. I was down at 36. You know, between, I think I think it's between 50 and 60 is normal for ejection fraction. That's how low my ejection fraction was in my heart. So for the first year, um, it stayed down low. So then I thought, well, maybe I need to do something to take this all into hand and, you know, and, and all that stuff. So I started eating right, but then I started meditating every night. I was meditating Monday through Sunday, 7.30 p.m. without fail. And guess what? In about six months, my ejection fraction went to 52. Now it's at around 54, 56. So I'm sitting in a normal ejection fraction. So I swear by meditation. I mean, it's not going to make miracles for everybody, right? I mean, I'm not going to claim that. I'm not a doctor. I don't, you know, that's just how it is. But it does help. If you, if you have a hectic day and you want to calm down, you get into a mode and you start, you know, it, it helps you to calm down. So if that seems like something you might be interested in, come on over to California Haunts Meetup, sign up. Just go into uh, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Meetup. Go to events and sign up and it is a guided meditation we'll do it every day and we might talk about other stuff i i, I may draw an oracle, oracle cards as well you know to kind of break up the monotony but uh yeah i have a lot of meditations that i can guide you guys through and, I, and it might be helpful for you i'm saying might because like i said i'm the doctor right so come on over there sign on up um it says that we're starting today i've been doing it for a while with a couple people but we're officially for the uh, 3 3.30 p.m. folks, you know, the 6.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern folks, we're starting Tuesday or Sunday evening. So Sunday will be the start of that. 
So come on over and sign up, and uh, it'll be cool. And for that one cost for the month, and what that gets you is you have three to four meditations a week, and uh, you know, with other stuff like like the oracle cards and things like that thrown in. And if you can't make it for that particular session, I'm going to have a recording of it, so you'll be able to go in and do it later on. You know, whatever time is convenient for you. Okay. All right. That's all done. My guest tonight, I've known her for a long time. We've worked together for a couple of years. Um, she's one of the finest uh, mediums I know. And when you talk about a medium that can do it all, she can do it all. And Bender can do it all. And uh, she's got stories to tell. You know, we've all been doing this for a real long time. And uh, we all started out about the same time. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride. It's been fun knowing her. It's been fun knowing her husband, Dave. You know, I was a member of API for a while. And uh, I, everything I know, I learned from them. Everything I know. So uh, I'm going to bring her on, and we're going to talk about the uh, interesting things. She, she was on Haunted Hospitals, the TV show. And as you guys know, I don't watch those programs because just seeing people running through houses screaming drives me insane. So the only ones I watch will be like Paranormal 911, Haunted Houses, you know, Haunted, Haunted Hospitals and things like that because I figure nurses and, and people like that, you know, that's their job is to observe and, and like police and firemen and stuff. So I tend to follow those more so than anything else. So I'm really excited about tonight. Um, I uh, was telling Anne the other day about an incident I had over at uh, I'm not going to over at Kaiser Hospital. I'm not going to say which one. Uh, you know, for protection for the people who are there. But uh, my mother was there in this particular wing, and I remember my brother mentioned to the nurses that I was a uh, paranormal investigator, and I walked in and I found myself surrounded, and they were telling me stories about this one particular wing of things that were going on. So it was really interesting to me. So I'll shut up now. We'll bring Anne on, and uh, she's she's been she's been working on a book project too, from what I understand. So we're gonna find out some more. All right, let's touch base with Anne Bender, shall we? Good evening. I don't know if you can hear me. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to come up. What's up with that? I guess it likes you better. Now, um, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. And you? It's good. Today is different for me to go on at 730. It's kind of nicer. Uh, it, it worked out well since I just more, got off work. <laughs> it gave me more of a day, you know, to do stuff. So I was real excited about that. So for, for the people that don't know who you are. My name is Ann Bender. And my husband is Dave Bender with Bender Paranormal. <laughs> Not the weather guy. No. Much taller and much better looking. Sorry, Dave, Bender, the weather guy, but I'm going to take mine. That's true. Don't slap me. He is better looking. <laughs> <laughs> so how long and at what age did you find that you had abilities? Um, my first memories are of me talking to family members in our house. I lived in a 100-year-old farmhouse. And uh, my first memories at two, three years old were of dead ancestors. And it scared my family so much that when I described them, it, it wasn't until I was um, an adult that I finally got pictures of some of these um, family members that I was describing in great detail. Um, that's what scared them is the accuracy of what I was describing. I think, you know, I think families just don't understand it because you know, they expect you to have imaginary friends, but when those imaginary friends turn into very vivid friends. I, I think it freaks people out. 
and that's my really my specialty and my passion is helping families with small children um some of which my my husband's watched and, and how he describes what i do is so different than what i'm doing uh -huh. but i actually am just talking to that child no different than i would be speaking to a spirit asking uh -huh. them to bring me certain um items uh -huh. and and that interaction is all done without any ver any words or verbiage just as if i was dousing or talking to a deceased family member it's the same type of communication and that's why i am skilled at what i do is i finally understand that it's all frequency based and uh -huh. i've continued to perfect and improve upon the distance so that I don't have to be in the same house, that I can do it from afar and finding missing people living and dead. Very cool, very cool. And you know, your demeanor, your, your demeanor with children is great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you have this really quiet demeanor and you don't intimidate kids. I, 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 I intimidate grown men, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what works for you too as well, you know, going into work with children because you, you have that demeanor. Thank you. I try. Because kids, because kids are scared, you know, of what they see and what they have. They need someone to to have that calm demeanor to, to deal with that. How I do walked you feel in those shoes of fear. I, I walked in those shoes for so many years and I never forgot the, the level of fear and isolation. Yeah. Yeah, it can be very isolating. I remember when I first started seeing things and they told me, well, go to bed at your imagination. Stop stop thinking of stuff like that. And I just went, okay. And I see dark people standing in my bedroom, but that's okay. I'll go to bed. You know, I haven't told you. I, I saw a ghost at Outback the other day. Okay. Karen and I were going in there to have dinner. And this guy, I guess he was, he was probably remembering, you know, what it was like to eat food like that. And I looked up as we were sitting, as we were going to sit down and he's just, just a shadow of a guy because the sun was behind him. And you can see him with his arms up like this, peering through the window. Mm -hmm. Is it in the corner by um, the recording artist that is in the corner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's frequently there. I sat over there a couple times and yeah. At least he's harmless. You know? Oh, yeah. Very but much so. A, I don't usually see them outside in public like that. And so when I looked up, I looked at Karen and I went, wow, did you see that? You know, so it was one of those, did you see that moments? Let's talk about hospitals a little bit. You you, you, know, you work in hospitals yep. and you were on haunted hospitals. And now we can talk about, because I saw that segment of haunted hospitals. So now we can kind of talk about what you were talking about on there because you were already on there. So let's start there and then we'll go from there. I actually haven't even seen the segment yet. I'm still well, trying to get a hold of a copy or to see it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't even seen what the end result was. I've heard that it was well done, so that's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, I was 70 pounds heavier, and it was that segment that convinced me to get myself healthy. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. See how I hide behind the mic? The minute you're on camera, you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't oh, want to see myself. It adds so much weight. And, and, and granted, I had weight to lose, but it was the healthiness of me that I mm -hmm. had the biggest reality check. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that, that's another se another segment. <laughs> another segment. <laughs> so you've been working in hospitals for a long time. And yep, going in as talented as talented as you are, like I told these guys, you have you can do it all. I mean you're one of these psychics that, that are mediums that can do it all. So 
I, I know you know, we, we talked about this in the past about shutting down with certain you know, certain entities and, and how you handle going out into like you know, movie theaters. But what about hospitals? I mean, there's got to be a ton, ton of energy there. There is. Um, and I, but I learned early on when I was a medic and um, it, it worked in back in Michigan. That was in a very always a very, very active locations. Well, part of it, I was drawn to those locations. I was drawn to it, not really understanding that I had a level of communication that other people didn't. Mm-hmm. We finally made a game out of it that my partner on the ambulance would ask, okay, Ann, what time is our first call going to be? How bad is it going to be? What time and where should we eat dinner so we get to sit down the longest and are closest to the call? I would be accurate within about five minutes of the call, and we maximized our lunchtime by doing that. Interesting. Now, I remember when I was uh, doing my five-year thing on the on the crime beat for news, and I remember Jason Lindo asking me about the accident scenes and was I able to see the the spirit leave the body? And I got reminded of that on a um, paranormal 911 show one time, um, where this officer was there and he was he was assisting the paramedic and. This, guy, this, this this person appeared to him. While you were doing that kind of work, did you have anything like that happen? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, I would know whether the, the people were already gone when we'd pull up mm-hmm. to the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other times when I'd know we need to grab, grab pediatric gear or other specialty gear that we normally didn't carry on our initial response. Uh-huh. And it wouldn't be called out with a call, and I would grab it. My partner would every now and then would go, "Why are you getting that?" I said, "We're going to need it." There was never any argument or discussion when I said, "We're going to need it." Okay, uh-huh. we're, we're, we'll get it. I'll help you bring the other stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so it took a lot of years, and it just it was. There was one day I actually did a call in my sleep. I was so exhausted, going all day. We did a full code. To this day, I don't remember my. My partner asked me for the report. I'm like, report for what call? He goes, Ann, you ran a full code. Don't you remember? I said, no, I was asleep. And I see his face turn white, whiter than that code. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to undermine or, or undervalue <clears throat> what we uh-huh. do uh-huh. in that capacity, um, but it is very algorithmic. It is very routine. And when somebody's already gone, what uh-huh. you do doesn't change. Uh-huh. The, the ABCs and, and doing all of what you do really doesn't change. Um, the only logistics are, you know, getting the person to the hospital quickly and efficiently and, and letting the professionals at the hospital take it from there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when they appear to you, like if you're out of a situation like that, you know, where, where they're either dying or they're already dead, are they confused or... What's their state of mind at that point? It depends on where they're at in life. Um, the hardest ones are ones that are um, either small children, which thankfully I didn't have many of those, thank goodness. Uh-huh. But the ones with dementia that are very, very confused already. Uh-huh. When they And I actually had this happen at a hospital I worked at, not my current one, where I heard the paper. I was sitting in the x-ray area, and I heard the papers behind me moving. And I realized there was an elderly woman behind me. And I looked behind, and I see this elderly African-American lady, very, you know, around 80 years old. And I realized that she's just passed, and she's still in the ER. And I, I stopped, and I listened. 
and she's fumbling around. Where's my room? Where, where am I? Where she was confused. Uh -huh. And I realized her daughter is in the ER room in a particular room where those uh, codes were taken, trying to say goodbye to her. So I went, okay, I got to get you back to your body. Now I got to also do this quietly without anybody recognizing what I'm doing. So I'm talking to her in my head while I'm paying attention as I'm walking down the halls and people, I'm walking into the ER that they, we haven't even been called over for a chest X-ray, but I'm walking over to send her back to her body. One of the nurses that knows what I do because she hasn't had an incident there, same ER. Mm -hmm. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm bringing her back to her body. And the sweet little Filipino lady goes, put her back, put her back. <laughs> That's what I'm here doing. You, you, I can't really say, you know, but I, I've taken care of it. I put her right. back, she's with her daughter. They'll never know. Her daughter will never know her mom wasn't there to listen to what she was saying. Mm -hmm. She was still so confused. Uh -huh. And that process of actually crossing over had not happened yet. Uh -huh. um, and, and helping people cross over that have passed and anybody that's been present when I've done that, you feel it. Anybody in my presence, uh -huh. everybody will feel the same sensation, that whoosh, uh -huh. um, or whatever sensation happens with that crossing, anybody there will know peace ha has happened ultimate peace for for lack of the better words you know during uh when somebody crosses over like that or you're trying to help somebody cross over what are the reasons why you know like even in a hospital setting is it confusion why they don't cross over right away or is it something else that holds them back maybe the family or it it can be sudden trauma it can be unfunny unfinished business i mean it's as wide a range as we have emotions can can be the reason, and while and other people pass peacefully, and it's uh -huh. just as individual and unique as from one person to the next. There is no generalizing. There is no saying anyone is like another. It'd be like saying you are just like me. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Do we both have abilities? Yes, we both have abilities. Are our personalities anything alike? Nope. <laughs> no. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. We'll be Stepford wives, you know. I'm um, a wild card. <laughs> I like mine too. I like to bounce off the walls. It's fun. You know, um, when we talk about people, I, mean, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, when I die, I don't want to be wandering around a cemetery or any of this. But in my eyes, the last place I want to be when I, when I die, get stuck wandering around some hospital somewhere. I've spent enough time in hospitals. Why is is it, is it the trauma they experience there? What what holds them in a hospital? Um, it it just depends on the person and the situation. To be honest, mm -hmm. sometimes those people will um, go back to a place they like. There's another spirit that was there that I found out when I when I described him that he was a relative of somebody who still works there to this day, and he was murdered at his home, <clears throat> and uh, he was there doing his usual thing, making sure the equipment worked, making sure things were okay. And he was what, actually one of the first spirits I saw when I worked at that particular place. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And he, I always was relieved when he was around. But here's the thing. If you were misbehaving or not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I would get calls from people going, Ann, this isn't working. What's going on? 
I don't know. It was working two seconds ago. I said, okay. So I, I usually was the same folks, usually folks that, you know, might be screwing around or mm-hmm. bad attitude. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not perfect. We're having a really rough day. And right. I go there and I'd see, I'd see, I, I'm not going to say to the person yeah, Okay. I would fix what was fixed, but I would also lend a listening ear. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that to this day. And when I'm listening, <clears throat> I'm interacting with that person in the here and now while I'm also getting two cents from somebody else. It's kind right. of always like having a two-year-old talking to you while mm-hmm. you're trying to have a conversation. And you mm-hmm. kind of learn how to multitask really well. <laughs> um, Another question I've been thinking about is that, you know, as paranormal investigators, you know, we know that like walls and stuff can hold energy depending on the material you know, in the walls. They can hold, hold that energy. What about like ambulances? Can they hold energy like that? Oh yeah, anything can hold energy for sure. Um, there are certain ambulances that I worked in that I really had difficulty sleeping in, but after 10 years, I learned to sleep anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that included the stretcher that heaven knows what happened on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there are certain ones that, that held energy. Um, there are certain things. Um, and I just learned to be very well grounded, um, even to this day, that the more grounded, the less I will um, be affected by mm-hmm. those things that hold energy, by that environment, or by somebody who's on the other side, you know, trying to get my attention. If I focus on what I'm doing and just really ground myself, and that's what I really try to help te- people teach. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the level and the years you've been doing it, um, constant new techniques, new ideas, new styles are really important to help yourself evolve and learn because we're always learning. When I, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be learning when I'm dead. I'm convinced sure. of that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like the Force, you guys, in Star Wars, right? It's, it's always a learning, learning thing. So he's learning too back there. <laughs> he's listening to you. Um, let's like the like about the hospitals. I mean, would you say that they're full of ghosts, or I mean, is it just certain types of people? You know what I mean? Because you would think it would be full because of all the energy. Plus, you got the morgues and all that. Different hospitals have different energies um, and different levels of haunting, just like any residence. Um, there are some in this area that I don't care to work at because the level of haunting makes me ill. It's okay. that intense. It's that old. It's that, uh, that many layers. Uh-huh. Um, it's that much asbestos sometimes in the wall, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it depends. I mean, and I don't mean to be vague. Um, that's fine. It just, there's, there's a, that, particular one I worked at that whew. I mean we, it had clocks that would spin around they weren't all in the same thing and I thought they were mm-hmm. for the longest time I thought the clocks would reset I'm like why is there why are they resetting the clocks at this hour as it spins around and around above mm-hmm. the, and we're, we're above the morgue and radiology there and um, <clears throat> yeah that was you know not explainable um, there's no rational, no no way to say, okay, this clock is spinning on its own uncontrollably. Right. Yeah. Right. 
I know when I go in there, I'm not going to say which hospital. <laughs> when I go Thank to you. a certain hospital, it's an interesting feeling because I spent over the years a lot of time in that ER. And it's always a foreboding feeling no matter what. Whether it's something minor like my contract ripped and I can't retrieve it or something weird, you know. It's always a certain foreboding feeling going in there. Yeah. There is one that is certainly like that. I'm really glad where I'm at now. I don't have that intensity of feelings that I used mm -hmm. to have to deal with. I really mm -hmm. am happy with my current situation in the current hospital I'm in. I didn't realize how intense it was till I was out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this to clarify a few things too, is that um, we've, we've been to, to the Brookdale Lodge a couple of times. A lot of ghosts there. And yes. how do you handle, how does a psychic, because I think a hospital would be the same way, you got a lot of ghosts there. How mm -hmm. does a medium handle a place that has so <clears throat> You You take them in order of priority. Just like it, when you have an audience of people, if you're giving a lecture, you you'll tend to take the person with the most urgent pressing question first. Otherwise, it's they're going to be obnoxious and, you know, no offense if I've been that that person in the audience too to people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But once you take in, and deal with that most urgency of a, of a need, of a question, regardless whether they be living or dead, then you mm -hmm. can move on to the next person that might need you more quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. My cat is running all over the bed right now. He's just going psycho. Uh, it's like he knows. Mommy's talking about ghosties and I need to be crazy. Anyway, so he would be the one I would, the cat would be the one I would address first. And sometimes they're furries. So people tend to forget that there's different languages. There's different um you know, four-legged friends that need to be dealt with. You take, take care of what's urgent, most urgent first. Okay. And um, I do that by ascertaining, you know, what era are they coming from? Mm -hmm. What type of words are they using? So that also helps me to understand which area, which era. And things, you know, are so different from time to time that there are there's technology we may come in with as ghost hunters Mm -hmm. uh, or investigators, I hate that term ghost hunters, uh, but that technology is foreign to them. They may have mm -hmm. seen it from time to time, but they don't understand it. <clears throat> so like a recorder, this is a red light. This is where you, you speak into for me and mm -hmm. kind of guide them. When I, all these fantastic pictures that I've gotten, it's because I've asked them, mm -hmm. hold still, I'm going to take your picture. May I take your picture? Mm -hmm. Will you show yourself for me? Mm -hmm. and I'm doing that in my head as I'm taking these pictures. But Brookdale, I have crazy pictures out of Brookdale. I still shake my head at that place to this day. I'd like to go back. I really want I would to. too. Brookdale's insane. And Brookdale because, is, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Robert's there now because he's passed. And he was alive when right. I was there last. And he told me, when I die, I will be back here with the spirits. And I want to, because I know his energy and I know him, I want to go say hi to him. He was a big part of that building. When I walked into Brookdale, the first thought I had, it hit me all at once, was it reminded me of The Shining. Because they're all there. They're all lifting their drinks, they're all partying. And I remember when we were at Brookdale, how there was a little bit of problem talking to some of these gangster guys because they were there with their mistresses and the wives were at home or whatever. And we had to convince them that, no, we're not going to tell your wives that we're here or you know, that, that, that you're doing this. And Brookdale is just an interesting place. 
It's interesting also because you've got the Native American massacre that happened mm -hmm. there, and that stained the land. You've got the little girl who's really from a much um, later era. It's from like the 60s when the little girl passed, because I have the striped shirt that one of Michelle Barbaria took up mm -hmm. that picture. Um, you've got the lady in the pool who's from... Oh, yeah. That, and we actually have the ripples in the water when nobody was in the pool. In the middle of the pool, you have these ripples of like a person swimming. Um, it was. It didn't matter where you go at Brookdale Lodge, they they respect weddings and ceremonies when they're when they're happening, but they're still doing their thing. They're still going about. They just mix in with all the noise and commotion that's there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the photo of the um, investigator who we won't use their name, who has a hand going to the head. Oh yeah, I forgot dinner, about remember? that. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. I still have that, that picture too. And then. <laughs> Robert's glasses, how they're nice and clear, and the, the light did this weird reflection, refraction thing through them, blurring. It was, it, yeah. Um, so many interesting interactions there that, that would be a really worthwhile investigation to revisit. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think of him, too. I think of, I, again, I think of The Shining, because Jack Nicholson's character was attached to the ghosts that were in that building. This, Robert was the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and now that once, you know, having known him in life and mm -hmm. interacted with him, I think it would be pretty interesting to see if he'll speak to us on EVP and capture his voice again. That would be really cool. Oh, I think it'd be one of the first times we could actually do that. And you can compare audio and go, okay, is this the same person? We know yeah, he's no really longer cool. alive. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we gotta go back. We gotta go back. Do a collab and go back. Um, so that 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 was uh, was leading up to the next question about you know these hospital facilities. As you say, you know, as as, as they come up to you, because it's got to be loaded with ghosts, no matter what. You know, because hospitals will retain you got all that memory in the walls, everything's there. So you you, you take it by priority then, right? You know, the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Matter of urgency, need. Uh, you know, is this somebody that I can potentially help? And uh, if they're asking for help, then I'm going to honor that request, living or dead. Um, somebody's asking for help. I'm going to do what I can to help them. Have you ever encouraged anybody, because you know when they talk about um, NDEs and things like that, when, when they leave their body like that, have you ever encountered anybody, maybe <laughs> instead of watching their body on the operating table, maybe they're wandering in the hallway you know, while they're being operated on or anything like that? I have to be very careful so that I don't, um, gotcha. nothing, nothing currently. There's nothing been okay. anything current uh -huh. in previous hospitals. Yes. Uh, I have seen that occurrence happen. Um, I always know when that's happened on the table, um, before I start my shift, there's been an event. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, that's. That's a whole nother right. issue when you gotten to, especially if they've been healthy or um, not terribly ill and, and that happens. That's, those are the most difficult situations mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. There's no, some, you can tell there's some situations that come to mind, but I cannot speak of them. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's all good. I'm Sorry. Sure. No, it's okay. That's fine. No problem. Like the like what we like we talked about the other night this this particular hospital and the stories that I 
got from the nurses, you know, about the, 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 the some particular room they can't keep the temperature up in. Um, they're forever getting caught buzzed there, and there's no one in the room. You know, the, 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 that whole call thing is going on with this room. And the understanding that I had with that was that this particular lady liked a lot of attention. And at the time, there was a nursing shortage, so they didn't have enough nurses to go around. And that's why she's still there, because she's frustrated. But she's there, you know, and they know she's there. It just interests me, you know, because like I said, there's just so much energy there. It's like it's like going to a movie theater. I mean, everybody has somebody with them. Nobody, you know, people don't realize that, but they've always got somebody with them. Like we used to go to horror movies, remember? And then the ghosts would be sitting there watching the horror movies. Oh yeah, that that's that way still. I mean, movie theaters are actually one of the most incredibly haunted places. You want to experience a ghost? Go to a theater. Doesn't matter what one. The older, the better, though. Um, but. And speaking of haunted hospitals, the story yes. that I gave in the chapter in my book for the um, anthology with all, the, all these different amazing authors, we uh -huh. all shared a personal story that we thought would help um, a person that needs to find some type of reassurance, some type of help to overcome a situation. All of us have shared totally different scenarios, and I shared what happened to me at 15 when I was in the psychiatric asylum uh -huh. and the experience I had that helped me understand that, oh, I didn't just see and hear them. I felt their emotions. I actually interact with them on a whole nother level. I wasn't just seeing ghosts. Uh -huh. They're in my world. I was uh -huh. walking in both worlds. Um, and the experience I had there scared the bejeebers out of me, for starters, but it also scared me straight. Me, not like I had a problem or anything other right. than the, that I didn't understand. Like, I was a kid and I was alone. But it mm -hmm. scared me into understanding what and how I was able to do what I do and was, be, was able to set off on my, my journey of, okay, now that I know this, now what? What's next? See, you're abilities compared to my abilities you know as far as being young at that Don't point compare. No, no, i'm not no. comparing i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> i mean when i first started i mean i knew i had abilities and then like everybody else i grew up and you know then i then i met you guys and all of a sudden boom you know and i remember i had you guys and then i also had sylvia brown on on, on the afternoon so between you guys and sylvia brown is where my education came from with it you know so how, like you talk about having that wake-up call, you know, at the asylum, from then on, you weren't communicating with anybody else that was psychic, right? You were just doing this on your own and trying to build everything up on your own. Yes, 15. Um, I knew, I, I knew what crazy was because I watched people talking to supposed people and I'm going, mm -hmm. but the ghost is over here. Why are you talking to like he's in front of you? There's mm -hmm. nobody in front of you. The ghost is over here. See, right, right there. And so I'm thinking all of this, watching this go down and, oh, that's what crazy is. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, I understand why they're upping their meds. Um, <laughs> got it. Okay. So I had to understand, because I didn't, I, I was lived on a farm up to that point. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been exposed to people who had mental illness in any mm -hmm. way. I had only had my own, you know, situations and what I thought was my own depression that I didn't understand why I, when I didn't feel depressed that I was feeling this incredible sadness 
And I, what I didn't realize was that, oh, this isn't even my sadness. It's the dead guys in front of me. And that's where that's coming from. Okay. And so when I finally put that together, I, I felt fine. I wasn't, I wasn't depressed and I had never had been. And so they kept me another three months because I just couldn't believe that I was better all of a sudden. I just had to figure it out. Right. And the other question I have is that I mean, you yeah. obviously had to talk to a psychiatrist or a counselor. Yep. When you told them about what you were experiencing, what was their response? Most of them thought I was nuts. But the problem was they couldn't put me in a category. That's because I wasn't nuts. I was just gifted. Uh-huh. Um, and it got to be I was gifted enough and very intelligent that I could just not. I, I knew what I, you know, if I said certain things that they would spin off of it and do their their psychiatric nut job thing so i would just turn the conversation and and depending on my mood you know speak or not speak about what they wanted to and it was wasn't until the the last one that i had actually when i was in the hospital he he realized that i was the real deal Uh and he had to keep me longer though to make sure of what he knew and I am very suspicious. That's why one, the one day they finally took us through this tunnel. And, I mean, we're talking metal heavy door. And we're going in. You couldn't see crap. And you could, you could hear the crunch from the bugs underneath your feet as we're going down this long corridor. Scared the crap out of us. But I was, go, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an answer to this because I'm sick of feeling this way. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I describe all of that, the emotion, the, the feeling. And I, in thinking back on it, it's just talking to you now that I think they took us down there so that I could meet this guy face to face. They said, no, it's abandoned. But I'm like, when we went there and I saw him and I, I would blink and I would see flashes of it as it was. And I saw where the equipment was and what the equipment did. And I described it to him. That was the proof I provided them because they knew the history of that building and they knew that that was where the treatments were done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no, they, they knew I had no way of knowing what was where the building was empty, full of dust, dirty, nothing there. Mm -hmm. And I, and I proceeded to describe that building exactly as archival photos could, could show it. Wow. 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 You're, you're a very talented medium. I mean, you're, you're really talented. Well, that's how the one of the officers, a former late officer, he's no longer with us now, but he was one of the, of the Zodiac officers. And I did a lot of remote viewing work for him on cold cases when he was uh-huh. alive. Uh-huh. And he tested me by taking me to an old crime scene where I proceeded to walk it. My husband was there and described it. And his, he stopped me at the end and goes, it is like you are describing the pictures that I have from the crime scene that night mm-hmm. in vivid detail. You are describing it better than a firsthand witness that was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's because I, I would lock into whatever time I needed to see. And I asked them to show me. I asked the spirits to show me. And that's how when I see spirits in their death image, um, and I start seeing this at a very young age, really grotesque, horrible things. That, that's why I keep Allie, my daughter, so um, 
with a freedom to be able to talk about this because when she gets these images, it's scary. It's scary to see people with bloody things and appendages and parts missing. And I remember what it was like for me to see this stuff. Sure. Absolutely. If you find now, and I know I had a friend who has had abilities as well. She was seeing a psychiatrist and she got very lucky. And this is just within the last three years that this psychiatrist believed in the paranormal because you know her treatment was so much better. But back then when you went through this, you know, nobody was really into this stuff. And even if they were, they wouldn't have admitted it anyway. Correct. Um, I just got lucky. The last therapist that I ended up speaking with put a plan in motion that I think he's the reason that they finally took us over there and, um, you know, I showed him that, you know, yeah, I, I know I'm not crazy. I, I can recognize crazy. Uh -huh. uh, crazy people don't care. They're crazy, by the way. Just, uh, <laughs> they don't care. They'll show you things you never want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I visited a few of those. I had a bit in those words, but I visited a few of them over the years. Um, to each his own. They're happy. Hey, go for it. <laughs> it's their own thing. So, okay, now this is the big question because obviously, you know, you were living at home when your abilities started to show. Is that why you ended up in the asylum? Because of your abilities? Yeah. Um, okay. Because I didn't understand when I was feeling these incredible emotions. Mm -hmm. Part of it was my parents going through the loss of their farm at that point. Mm -hmm. They were, and the emotions were so intense as, as was, you know, for the whole family, really mourning the end of a livelihood and a way of life. Mm -hmm. um, that combined with, you know, other factors and other, you know, me not doing well in school and inter I didn't, because I did so much in my head, it was so difficult for me to interact with other kids of my age. I did fine if they, they were older adults or young kids. Uh -huh. I didn't do well with people my age. Uh -huh. I still struggle with folks my own age. It's it's my weakness and it's, I'll always be working on that. Part of that is because is I think and I'm interacting so much in thought that I forget to speak and I'll re not realize, I'll start you know mid thought and not realize I haven't said out loud the first whole part of it. That's very irritating to people. This is them off sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other people are, are folks that are sensitive and not aware of it or are scared by it. I enhance mm -hmm. people's abilities. I yes. am a natural enhancer. I know you know that. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's around me, well, what happens if they're not in touch with that part and I'm around them? They w may suddenly either love me or they freaking hate me like crazy and they don't even know why. Mm -hmm. They just loathe my presence. And that's because I act as a... There's something about my DNA that enhances people's stuff. Sometimes that's not a good thing because they're they're not ready and they're not wanting it. And I'm the cause of it. <laughs> I remember. I remember doing meetings with you guys, driving home when the flashlights are popping on and off in my car. And I don't know why, you know. I'm pulling over, they're off. I start driving, they're on. So, yeah, you do enhance. And you and I have worked on that during investigations as well. I mean, we work well as a tandem team. When we're, on, you know, when we're doing this stuff. So, yeah, I understand that completely. Um, when they finally realized that you weren't, you know, I'm not going to say psychotic, but that you weren't having issues with your mind, yeah. how did they explain this to your family and stuff? 
They that's why they kept me the other three months. Okay. Because uh, they just explained it. Well, the meds they put me on are working. Stay on the meds, which I didn't. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that baffled them is the amount is they needed such a, a tiny, tiny amount for it to quote unquote work. Um, it's basically, I didn't need any medication. I simply needed that meeting with this deceased elderly guy who, mm -hmm. um, I hope I helped him in those few moments that we interacted. I think back and I, I hope that I helped him be able to move on perhaps one day. Hopefully so. Now, you're not a doctor. You're not a psychiatrist. Nope. But do you think, you know, just, just pulling it out of the blue that some of these patients that are in these places may have abilities. Yes. And that's why they're there and nobody realizes it. Oh, absolutely. The other thing is they may have both. They may have illness and abilities. Uh -huh, and that's uh -huh. a sad, sad thing because, um, you know, it's like with a disability like autism where you're so high functioning. I really, uh -huh. I've been able to connect with a few um, folks that were autistic by my thinking, no different than uh -huh. when I talked with a small child. And in one case, the little girl I was speaking to was 10 at the time and she spoke to me in a full sentence and to this day I don't think she's spoken in a full sentence to anybody huh. Wow! but that was the sentence my mommy doesn't love me is that a heartbreaker oh my god yeah and it, the sad thing is it was true and I knew that huh. she had abandoned her daughter and because she was autistic they were twins uh -huh. and they knew that I loved them dearly. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, the daddy had other issues and we separated after four years of not marriage, but very close uh -huh. relationship. Uh -huh. So, yeah, my mommy doesn't love me, man. Wow, that hits it right there. Mm. I've heard stories and that um, because I, you know, working like, I'm, uh, like I had this health beat when I was at the Placerville. And I have heard stories that people who are mad, that there are some people that are, who are manic and they're actually seeing deceased relatives when they're manic. So as you say, some people can, like you say, some people can have these abilities and they can also be unstable at the same time. Yeah. And I would think that the being unstable doesn't help the situation when you're seeing things and seeing this stuff. I don't imagine it does. Like, again, I am not a doctor, but right. I don't even play one on TV. But... <laughs> It's above your pay grade. Yeah. It definitely is above my pay grade. I'm fine with that. I, I really am happy with where I'm at in life. And everything I've gone through, I really wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, my parents and I have had long discussions in that. I'm going, no, this got me with who I am, where I am right now. And, you know, without those tough times, you aren't going to have extreme growth. So uh, I think I've other than my height, I've had some great growth. <laughs> it made you who you are, you know, and yes, you know, and it's different. Now, let's talk about kids, you know, because you do work with kids. We do work with kids, you do work with kids. Do kids tend to see terror, of, you know, you know, scary stuff, or do you find that, they, that they're seeing their grandparents and, and, and the deceased family members 
Or is it, a it is. It is. They see okay. it unfiltered, un, um, unbiased. Uh, they see the reality. Sometimes that reality is scary and grotesque and horrible and terrifying. And other times it can be just pure love and pure joy. Or it can be a family member trying to warn them, mm -hmm. um, you know, to get them to sleep into a different room. Um, when Allie was a baby, had she been sleeping in her room? She refused to as an infant. She refused to. But had she been, she wouldn't have survived. She would have died from carbon monoxide poisoning because of a lethal amount, an adult lethal amount that was present in the room. Mm. So she's been active and gifted since three months gestation in Mabele. So she was setting off toys you know, very early on, I knew what her favorite toys were. And I went, oh my goodness, this is only three months along. Ah, what is this gonna be like when she's born? What is it gonna be like when we go through puberty? Holy enchilada, <laughs> whoa. And I'm still saying that for the record. <laughs> <laughs> How does she do in school? Because there's so many kids around and probably so much you know, activity around that nobody else realizes. So have you taught her how to pick and choose, you know, pick and choose or, or, or how's that work with her? I have to say that the kindergarten and first grade were really, really rough because unless I had a discussion about ghosties with the teacher uh -huh. um, to make sure she, you know, no, she actually does see this stuff and see where they were at. We've been really blessed to have amazing teachers with where she's at. Uh -huh. They know what I do. They, they know what Allie can see. And they know that she has so much love in her and compassion for other people, living or not, and are her friends. Um, she, suff she, she has problems with reading and, and interacting and getting the words out, which is not unlike what I had to deal with. Because uh -huh. you, we're thinking everything. We're interacting at a whole other level. So she's really still struggling with the verbs, the verbiage and the words. But um, she's getting she's getting along much better. The teachers um, are really working with her as far as, you know, helping her interactions with her peers and her kid and the other kids in school. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's worked itself out. I was really worried, though, for a little while because uh, our Uncle Dan was around, and so she was constantly talking to him at school. Oh. So I had to let her know it's not appropriate, and Uncle Dan's not going to come to school, and you using this as an excuse when I know darn well I've asked him not to go to school, so he's not there. Oh. Oh. So I think it was more an intention thing, but I don't don't really know it it finally worked itself out though so i wanted to ask you this as you're kind of going around in my head to the interview kids that have past life experiences have you ever come in contact with any kids like that and how does that work with your abilities are you able to tap into them more so because obviously you're looking directly into their minds um i don't think it's more so. I think it's no different than connecting with any child. The more sensitive, the more psychic or, or medium they are, the easier uh -huh. it is for me to connect with them and, uh -huh. and screen them for, for PK activities and basically psychokinetic um, energy. When they're sleeping, they're, they're playing with their toys. They're still sure. roaming around. And the kids often are very fatigued and tired when they wake up when they're doing this because they're really not getting good rest. Uh -huh. um, 
So it's easier for a kid who's who is a natural medium for me to connect with. Mm-hmm. The kids with the past lives is they're rare. It's super super rare. But when you run across one, it's more than just an old soul. It gives me goosebumps even mentioning it. Um, you know you're talking to two people, not one. Wow. If that makes any sense. You've got a, a body, you've got a person here, but it's like there's a second person there as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really different. And as when you encounter these kids, if you happen to ever run across one in your lifetime, mm-hmm. you will know. You, there'll be no doubt in your mind. Do they get it now? You know, knowing that you can tell right away what's going on with them, is there a sense of relief for the kid? I would think there would be because I mean, they're having for the parents, yeah. it's, the parents are like, oh shoot, I thought I was losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And, no. You want you, sometimes I'll describe what I'm going to do ahead of time so that they they know what I'm going to you know the process I have. Um, other times I just take it by ear and I you know go with the flow with with what happens and I explain after what was going down. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's halfway through because <laughs> the parents are going, Wait a second, they never go to any stranger and they're bringing you all his favorite. What is going on here? Um, one was a co worker. A former co-worker, and uh, his kid was actually being tormented, bless his heart. Um, and after we had our first meeting, he stood up to the ghost that was scaring him. I was so proud of him. Two years old, and this little one stood up to that the ghost that was trying to scare him. Bless his heart. Now, these ghosts that visit these kids, I mean, sort of on this subject now, uh, like you say, this one was trying to scare him. Why would a ghost want to scare a little kid? I mean, you could want to make their presence known or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, you know, just like people, not everybody's nice. Sometimes people who are past were not nice in life. And guess what? Mm-hmm. They're still not nice humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was unlucky enough, as well as the, the, the mom, was also unlucky enough to have two... Um, ancestors that were in direct conflict two different religions both of them extreme both of them dark and both of them with ancestors that were very much there and very much in conflict okay it was it was crazy i hope i never run across that scenario again we actually had an investor investigator that got um scratched from from one of them because she also was aware of what was going on and didn't like it. She didn't like being touched. Um, and to a point where they took advantage of that, they took advantage of getting her right where it hurt the most and reaching out and touching her. And that's, yeah. Yeah. I know we've done a case with a young kid, uh, a young boy who liked to bang on pots and pans. That was his plaything. The problem is, he would go to bed at night, and guess what was happening overnight? They'd hear the cabinet slamming, and all of a sudden, you'd hear the pots and pans. They would whack, and they'd go out there, and there was no kid. You know, so it's stuff like that that happens with these kids. He would be one I would screen heavily for PK. He's probably yeah. doing it in his sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and questions that I ask the parents are, um, are they 
uh, waking up very, very tired. Mm-hmm. Are they, um, you know, those, those, these things that go off don't require batteries. Same toys, mm-hmm. can, they can take the batteries out. They still set them off just like ghosts do. It's the same type of measurable energy that spirit activity use that these kids use. And PK is a, ironically, a known phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing um, paranormal about it. Mm-hmm. The problem is not people, not many people understand basic rules of, of physics and energy and how we work in doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is actually, it's a very measurable and it's a very real phenomenon. You know, when we talk about kids going through, um, you know, their, 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 their 12s, because you mentioned that earlier about Allie, I always think, because I, I carry, I carry a videotape. People think I'm crazy. You know, from what I run into that, with kids that are going through puberty, the Waltons, back in, back in the, like, like, the days of the Waltons, they knew about kids being able to do this, because there's, there's a whole segment of that with yeah. Elizabeth, which I thought was cool, and I thought, well, I'm going to keep that, because I can, I can refer people back to it and say, look, this was, this is a new thing, it was happening back then. How do you, um, Edison, how do you, Thomas Edison didn't yeah. just invent, you know, yeah, he, he worked with it. Um, her twain worked with it. Uh, several uh, Einstein was full aware of uh, disembodied voices and mm-hmm. all of them were infatuated and interested. I mean, Tesla, Nikola Tesla, my gosh, mm-hmm. he was killed for what he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a whole nother segment. Absolutely. Lots of segments, lots of segments. So let's, let's kind of up it from, from, from little kids. Let's talk about kids that are going through puberty. What should people look out for with their kids? Because, I mean, it happens in a lot of houses where, you know, they, suddenly there's paranormal activity going on and nobody knows where it's coming from. So what should people be looking out for? They want to be looking out for um, unexpected mood shifts in moods not it's not normal that it's not um then you want to also you know look for the real things first you want to look for drug use you want to look for um hormone imbalances with your doctor and actually get checked out um but they with when hormones rage and they they just start flowing it is an enhancer for their ability to connect with spirits Mm-hmm. It's also an enhancer for those spirits to be able to jump in and take advantage of them because they don't know what's going on. And in that weakness and that confusion, that's where the malevolent or, you know, the spirits that are that don't have good intentions really will cause havoc um, with the kids. It can also be when family members who are really insistent and, and that insistence or whatever is that sense of they sense of urgency, um, the kids don't know where those feelings are coming from. No different than when I didn't understand that. I, they might understand that they see ghosts. They might mm-hmm. understand that they can talk to them. But th- I can tell you, they don't understand. They can feel what they're feeling. And they certainly can't understand. They can feel what their parents are feeling mm-hmm. and what their friends are feeling. They're actually feeling those emotions as if it's their own. And the first thing I had to learn to do is to separate out those emotions. Okay, I would ask myself, is this my feeling right now? Am I mad? No. Who is mad? Ghost or human? Oh, it's a cat. 
cat's pissed at me. Okay, there we go. Yes, I'm talking about you, Gizmo. Does <laughs> <laughs> anybody okay. want to adopt some baby kittens? We've got five of them out back. Um, not, tiger. not Tiger. Okay, four of them out back and a mama. <laughs> I swear to you, I picked up a cat on EVP and they all say no, it was a little girl. I swear. Oh, we got one me. at the Cosmic Cafe in the mine. Oh, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. My investigators in there doing our EVP session, and all of a sudden you hear you hear this little girl voice say, "I just wanted some attention." And there was a cat in the room with her. Right. The first thing I said was, "It's the cat." I know what she goes. No, 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 it's something else. I'm like, "No, no, no, it's the cat." <laughs> they had a perfect cat voice, had a little ringing tone to it, you know. And, and yeah, so we actually picked up a cat once, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. I forgot about the Cosmic Cafe. That, yeah, that was cool. It was. was we cool. have that. So when you talk real quick before we end this, since we're getting there, when you when, when you talk with animals, do you how how's the communication go? I mean, like you say, so they all have different personalities and dialects. So how does that work? It is connecting us pure on that frequency with pure emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same way I communicate to the two year old that can't speak, mm-hmm. or the autistic child that can't speak. The feelings and emotions of animals, I love doing animal readings, by the way, mm-hmm. because they're, they're just so pure and so sweet and so honest. And when they have needs or requests, it'll, it's often something just so simple, but it means so much to them. Mm-hmm. And it gets, it gets you thinking about how in life we often just don't take time to appreciate those little things that add so much comfort like a hand on somebody's head when they're sick Uh and just that gentle touch. Then that's what the animals will often relay. Those simple little things. It might be a particular fuzzy blanket and they'll show, show me a picture of, you know, what it is. Uh And, um, and I go to describe it to the owner like, Oh, I saw that in the store the other day. And I thought that my baby would like that, but I didn't get it. I said, uh, you might want to go back and get that. <laughs> yeah, it's these little things. Um, sometimes the the animals passing, and, and the owner feels like there may be regrets or anger, and mm-hmm. you know, and more often than not, um, these animals are simply just wanting to be able to love on their their fam, their owner, their human. They just want to love on them. They just they just want to be near them. They don't have, they don't think back into the past like we do. They don't, they don't hold on to grudges like we do as people. Uh-huh. They only live in the moment. And boy, you know, wow, if we all could just live in the moment, uh-huh. love each other to the most and appreciate the simple things, uh-huh. what an amazing life we would have. That's true. That's true. The only contact I made with one of my dogs, and she, she was a rescue. And I was trying that stuff out. Let's expand my abilities. I'm looking at her straight in the face, and I could tell the recognition hit that I was communicating with. Her eyes got real wide, and I could just tell the look of surprise. And after that, I, I decided not to continue it. But I was just trying to see if I could actually connect with her, you know. And then when I saw the eyes and the look on her face, I went, "Oh my God, we are connected." So it's it's a wonderful feeling to connect with them. We all love our animals, right? We all love oh. our animals. If I had room for another cat, I'd get a cat from you. But, you know, 
I don't, I don't have room right now. I'm full up. Well, if so any of your listeners, uh, Littners, huh, let's make up some new Littners. Any of your Littners out there? <laughs> um, and they're and they're known and and really want, want an amazing um, kitten. They they all came. They showed up one day. The mom showed up. I didn't know she had a litter. I just thought, oh, we've got a new kitty cat in the yard. I better get, go in and get her fixed. Found out it was a her. About two weeks later, she ran the house and had two of them with her. By that oh. evening, we counted five and went, oh, you're a mama. Um, okay. You're, you're in a safe sanctuary. We'll take care of you, and we'll do our best to try and find you guys forever homes. I love doing that part. I just love that. I might get back into doing it, you know, because I just, I just love watching the kittens and I love making sure that the mamas are taken care of and all that stuff. And I miss it. Let's talk about this book before we go. Talk, yes, tell me about please. this book that you're in. It's called Perfectly Imperfect. It comes uh-huh. out on Amazon on October 5th uh-huh. and you can buy it. The digital version you can buy for a, for the first 24 to 48 hours. It's $1.99. So really awesome deal and a book about just all these different folks with sharing their you know some were homeless some were you know every every possible scenario that somebody might be in Uh is somebody in this book and how they got through it how they overcame unimaginable um mountains how they climbed Uh their own mountain and how they were able to overcome and not only survive, but thrive in uh-huh. success. Awesome. And you have a second in there, of course. Imperfect. Yeah. yeah, you have a Yeah, perfect. All right, how do people find you? You can find me at uh, benderparanormal.com, all one word. And there's a contact page. You can reach out to me there. I'm also on Facebook. I'm under Classy Anne. But, um, okay. It's a little more difficult to get to. If you go to the website, you can. I've got links up on there and social media stuffs and all that fun stuff. Fair enough. And it's always fun to have you on. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure a being blast. on. All right. Well, we'll get you on again at some point. But thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, Brookdale Lodge, baby. That's it. Let's do it. Let's call lab. All right. All right. See you later. Have a good rest of your evening. You too. Bye bye. <laughs> Okay, oh, there's my screen. Boy, it's running slow tonight. It's always great to have her on. It's always fun. We, we go back a long, long way. Tomorrow, Nancy Mass is going to be with us, and we're going to be talking about uh, pre-death visitations and deathbed visitations. Because I know with my mother, I, went, I, I, I was watching her. I was very observant watching her and who came to visit her leading up to her death. And in my dad's case, he had visitors up, up like a year to two years before he passed. So it's going to be interesting to have that conversation. Nancy will be here. Usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, will be right here. Again, if you guys are interested in that, in, in that meditation club, there are two options for you. If you want to get it uh, earlier during the day, that would be 3.30 p.m. Pacific. And for the people on the East Coast, that's 6.30 p.m. their time. And uh, then if you want to, if you'd rather do it later in the evening, you're talking 7.45 p.m. Pacific. After I do this show, you know, on that day, that would be Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays. And the goal is to talk about health issues and things like that, and you know, oracle cards and things. And also the goal, and 
also the goal is to do even more. I mean, if it goes well and everything, I could see us going four or five days a week do, doing these meditations if people really get into it. So check out the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup, and you'll find the links under events, okay? All right, that being said, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Of course, we are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Just looking to build up our audience. Um, we are now 300 and, no, we're less than that now. Nope, I think we're about 318 away from hitting our 1,000 mark on YouTube. So it's really exciting, and we're, we're building up our presence on TikTok, so check us out over there. And uh, Facebook, you know, our presence is really good. And again, if you watch from Facebook today, if you like the show and you haven't done so already, hit that follow button. Hit that follow button. Same thing, if you're over here from TikTok and you're watching this from YouTube, hit that, you know, hit that subscribe button. doesn't cost anything, but uh, good shows. Good shows every night. And I try to bring the best shows possible to you guys. All right, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And again, I want to thank Ann Bender for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's always good to talk with her. But I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Well, not same time, but our usual time, same place, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. See you guys later. Have a great rest of your evening.